that you may know how we are and that, you, and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and love with the faith of the Father and the Lord Jesus, who love the Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. And Father, that is my prayer, that you would, whenever I open my mouth, especially in this context, that words would be given to me and that I may fearlessly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Pray for your spirit's anointing and empowering. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you can enter into this or not, but coming to the end of this study of Ephesians gives me a sense of, uh, a lot of feelings of sentiment. Feeling like I'm leaving an old friend, quite frankly. I trust that the study of this letter has shaped us, changed us as a body, conformed us more into the image of Christ. In the book, in the letter of Ephesians, maybe more than any other book in the Bible, we have listed or described for us the resources that are ours, that are yours as believers in Christ. Among them, if you forgot everything else in this book, I want you to remember that if you are a believer, if you have bowed your knee to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if that is true of you, then God in Christ has done a supernatural work in you. Chapters 1 through 3 deal with that supernatural work. In chapter 1, we learn that because I am in Christ, I am able to, right now, Stand before you and stand before God as holy and blameless. In Christ, I am redeemed. I am adopted as a son. I am a recipient of his grace. I am forgiven of all my sin and sealed for eternity by the power and indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 2, we learn that He took spiritual death walkers, spiritual zombies, and brought me to a place where I am alive, together with Christ. He raised me up with him, and even now I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. That spiritual position, that truth is absolutely secure. Nothing can change it. Every power and principality, that means because I'm in Christ, is under my feet, and it's under your feet. In chapter 2, verses 12 through 18, we found that for believers, the war is over. The hostility, the alienation between me and God, between you and God, Christ came to bring unity. And he brought those who were far off near. Jesus came preaching peace to those who were far away and brought them near. The, the war between you and God is over. Chapter 3, verses 14 through 19, it says this, For this reason, because all these resources are ours, Paul says, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its names, that he would grant you, believers, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, 
that you might be strengthened with the power through the Holy Spirit in your inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. That is, if you remember, he would really settle down, that be at home in your hearts, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend everything that he's given you in terms of who you are in him. You and I need to know who we are in Christ. As believers, we need to immerse ourselves in our identity as believers. God has done a supernatural work in me. I am a miracle. Never seen a miracle? And so are you. If you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a miracle. How? Because His Spirit, God, is alive in you. You were dead, but you've been brought to life. I have gone, you have gone from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. You need to know who you are in Christ. Those truths are vital and prepare us prepared us for the stepping in and embracing of what takes place in chapters 4 through 6. For in responding to the position and the resources that God in Christ has given to us, He's also called us to live a supernatural life. He's done a supernatural work in us. He's calling us to live supernaturally. To get on the outside, to live out who I already am on the inside, what Christ has already done in me. So Paul writes, therefore, I, a prisoner of the Lord, implore you, I beg you, I plead you, believers who have all these resources available to you, they're all yours, to walk in a manner that is equal to, to live a life that is equal to who you already are, what your position in Christ is. Get on the outside what God has already done to you on the inside. We called it walking a worthy walk. To do that, there are some things that we need to take off and there are some things that we need to put on. Things that we need to take off, as we learn in Hebrews, there's stuff that so easily entangles us. Things I need to put off, that, like, like in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 32. And things that I'm supposed to put on in their place, like humility and gentleness. And as the work of God have, takes place in me, that when I blow into a room, what people experience is a gentle breeze. Power under control. In light of all this, with all of these supernatural resources given to you, and all of these supernatural calls of God on your life being placed upon you, like the fullness of God, and the filling of the Spirit in chapter 5, verse 18, which is what makes all of this possible. To walk in, to experience exceedingly abundance beyond everything we could ask, think, or imagine. And the spiritual battle 
that we all face. And the armor of God that he has provided for us in chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. With all that, Paul ends this letter with this. Beloved, I want you to pray. All the time. In every different way. I want you to pray in the Spirit. I want you to do it with alertness and perseverance. For it is prayer, believer, that you, in terms of your experience, are going to unlock the door of this supernatural kind of living. If you expect to walk as he walked and be filled with the fullness of God, to see the exceedingly abundance beyond all you could ask or imagine, if you really expect to be able to defeat the enemy with the armor of God, it's going to be more than just knowing about it. I want you to pray, Paul says. I want you to pray all the time. Three things I want to touch on in this text. The frequency of prayer, the variety of prayer, and the manner of prayer. Point number one, the frequency of it. Verse 18, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Prayer is to be an all-encompassing dimension of the believer's life. The main point I want you to catch here is this. There needs to be a dimension in my life where prayer is always happening. Let me say it again. There needs to be a dimension in my life where prayer is always happening. Let me unpack that, or at least try to. Certainly there are times need to be times in my life where I'm alone with God. And there are times where God's going to place me on my knees, maybe face down. There are times where you're going to pray together with others in a small group or together in a, a church prayer gathering where where you bring one another's requests and your hearts and, and you lift up your praises and you do it corporately. But prayer is more than a certain time that I set aside. Prayer is more than coming to God with my list of requests for myself or for other people. Prayer is more than a, a certain form or a style or even a practice. Prayer, in this specific text, is a lifestyle. It is a way of living. I want you to catch something here, and I don't have time to unpack it, but this kind of praying, this lifestyle of prayer that he's talking about, about letting it constantly wash over you, and, and what it looks like to moment by moment be bringing things before God in prayer, is a clear parallel to what he, he talks about, about the filling of the Spirit. The filling of the Spirit in 518 is not a one-time event. It is an ongoing, you better be asking for it every day event. Lord, I just had this conversation. I poured it out. I'm heading on to this thing. I need you to fill me. Lord, fill me. Overflow me. I need more of you and less of me. And just as we need to be walking in that keep on being, being continually filled, I need to be walking in keep on praying, continually be praying. There are three constants that need to be part of you as a believer. I need to be continually filled with the Spirit. 
And the reason I need to keep asking for it is because I leak. Number two, I need to continually let the Word of Christ dwell in me richly. That picture there and the wording there is like floating in it. And number three, I need to be praying all the time. Everything I do, everything I think, everything I feel, I can, if I choose to allow this to become part of my lifestyle, bring it through the grid of prayer in which I'm bringing these things in the, in the reality of His majesty and His promise to meet my needs. His majesty, He's big enough. My needs, He cares enough. I can bring to him my uncertainties, my pain, my anxious thoughts, my fear, the test I have tomorrow, the conversation I'm about to have, a concern that's burning burning me, a task I'm not quite sure about how to go about it. Whatever it is, I can bring it to him now. Not trying to just go through a list and hope I hit everything before I leave in the morning or try to back catch everything that went on in the day, but in the moment, as I'm about to walk into the room, Lord, I need you to help me. Lord, I need you to be with me. As somebody comes to you with a burden, that a mentoring situation, and you have no idea, Lord, I, I need you to give me wisdom. I need you to give me discernment. I need you to, to, to bring ministry here because I got nothing. Be praying all the time. Point number one, the frequency of prayer. Number two, the variety of prayer. Pray in the Spirit with all kinds of prayers and all kinds of requests. All kinds of prayers, all kinds of requests simply means all different kinds of prayer with all different styles of prayer, all different methods of prayer. Pray in different ways and pray all the time. I think it's really important that we understand this, especially in the setting where people gather to pray together. I remember as a young believer being really intimidated going to any kind of a prayer meeting because there are people that that were at that group, they know how to pray. Man, I don't know how to pray like that. Intimidated. And hey, we're all in different places in our journey. Some of you have been believers for a long time and either you haven't had occasion or you just haven't been willing to take the risk to pray out loud. It feels awkward to you or you're not sure what are people going to think, whatever. All of that's going on in many gatherings that we have in prayer. So friendly people like me say, turn around to somebody you don't know and pray with them. Go ahead. Do that right now. (laughs) People feel intimidated if they have to pray out loud because I can't pray like that person. Listen, listen, listen. There is no right or wrong way to pray. There is no right or wrong way to pray. Wrong motives? Yes. That's another sermon. It's not a matter of how you pray or the words you use that you pray. Pray all the time. Pray all different kinds of ways. 
Sometimes you're going to pray in private. Sometimes you're going to pray in public. Sometimes you're going to pray out loud. Sometimes you're going to pray silently. Sometimes you're going to pray and you're going to cry. You're going to wail. You're going to weep because you're broken. Sometimes your prayer is going to be in a whisper. Sometimes it's going to be your request. Other times you're going to write it on a board. Sometimes it's going to be confession. Sometimes you're going to kneel while you're praying. Other times you're going to be standing. Sometimes it's going to be while you're walking your dog. Sometimes it's going to be jogging on a path. Wherever you might be doing it, pray all the time in different kinds of prayer. I'm not sure, maybe a couple of people and maybe no more than five in this room have to commute to work. Know what I'm saying? I know a couple of you do. Coming from Chicago, people spend half their life driving. And one of the guys in the church back in Barley, he's like, God just said, you, you got to redeem the time. So every time he stopped, instead of getting mad at the person in front of him, prayed for him, prayed for whatever God laid on, on his heart. He redeemed the time. He says, wow, my commute became really awesome. This kind of praying is one of the ways that you as a believer can practice the presence of Christ in every moment of your day. Opportunities to be praying for and asking for opportunities for God to use you. We talk about, we call them divine appointments. Think about how easy this is. You're walking into the coffee shop. Maybe you're meeting somebody. Say a prayer. Maybe you're not. Say a prayer. Lord, is there anybody in here as I walk in today that you want me to go and talk to, to be encouraged, to encourage them? Lord, as, as I'm meeting with my friend with coffee, is there anything that, that you wanted me to say to them? How do I pray for them? But if we're so focused on the next thing that I have to do, how will I ever see what God is inviting me into? Pray all the time. Walk into a room, open a door, bring it through the grid of his majesty and his power and ability and desire to meet your needs, to give you the strength to do what you can't do. Today, tomorrow, the next day, Lord, I need you to be with me in this conversation. I need you to be with me as I take this test. I want to say this even as a warning. Don't ever think that in the context of the kingdom that there is anything that you or I can do that will have a lasting value that will bear spiritual fruit if, it is, if we are not dependent upon the power of God and Jesus living through us. Three things that have stuck out to me in our small group as we've read through the New Testament. We're our last section going through Revelation right now. Three things that have been repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated in the New Testament. Love everybody. Walk in unity and walk in obedience. 
In every one of those, it says, by this, all people will know that you are mine and you will bring glory to the Father. Love everyone, be in unity with everyone, walk in obedience to everything I said to you. And you know what? Those three things are impossible. (laughs) Impossible. And yet I am called to do it. Lord, help me to love more. Help me to love better. Bring unity. Help me to walk across the hall and and talk to that person. Help me to get together with that person. Lord, I can't go there and do what you're calling me to do. I need you. Jesus, you live in me. I need you to empower me and take me to this because I need you to transform me. There's nothing you and I can do in terms of developing something supernatural out of my life if you and I are not dependent upon the power of God. Jesus said it this way, John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do. But if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. There are people in this church that have brilliant minds. There are people who have learned lots of things. And, and, and through experience in school and seminars and conferences, you've learned effective techniques to get things done. You might have a dynamic personality, exceptional communication skills, people skills, lots of experience, able to jump over tall buildings in a single bound. But in the context of the kingdom of God, if you are not dependent upon the power of God, nothing of kingdom value, nothing supernatural will take place in your life or through your life, period. You know what else? You'll get so exhausted in your spiritual life if you try to do kingdom stuff in the flesh in your own strength. It is exhausting. But I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul says, I want you to pray all the time. I want you to pray all different kind of ways, frequency of prayer, the variety of prayer, and thirdly, the manner of prayer. Manner of prayer. Pray in the Spirit with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying. The manner of prayer is simply this. Pray in this way or pray with this in view, in this manner. Be alert and persevere. Be alert and persevere. Be aware, be alert and persevere when you pray. Confession. I remember experiencing this the first time in the first church we served in. I remember it clearly when we served in Bartlett. Here's my confession. Sometimes when you gather together, it could be a small group, usually it's more of a corporate prayer kind of thing, I would feel overwhelmed with the needs for prayer. 
I would feel overwhelmed with the number of people that were struggling with something. Physically, emotionally, the, the, the loss of a job, the, the information they received from a physician, ministry needs. But, and the list, and I, I would literally just feel this weight like, oh. And what I would do sometimes when I feel overwhelmed by the sheer numbers of requests is it just became a list to me. I just got to get through the list. When I do that, when I just pray through a list, I'm not being alert in my prayers. I'm not paying attention in my prayers. I'm not interacting with what's going on in that person's lives. I'm not allowing myself to empathize with pain and struggles and carrying one another's burdens and carrying those burdens into prayer. I'm not giving myself to that. And yet, Paul tells me, I need to pray, I need to pray alert and aware. And I think that also includes praying specifically. If you're not, if you don't think God is in the specifics, you just got to read about the details about putting together the tabernacle. God is in a detail. All right? And praying specifically is a really good practice. Do you remember when you prayed with your kids as you're tucking them in at night? Now, if you have little ones, you're right there. Some of you, you got to wrap, go back a little bit. But, you know, they pray, and childlike faith is awesome. And, you know, they just, they just want to bless the whole world, right? Literally. Dear Jesus, bless the whole world. And, and I can, I can chuckle at that. Um, but too often I think we pray the same way. You know, there's a reason missionaries send prayer letters with specifics. But too often we pray, Lord, bless the missionaries. Bless our church. Bless our pastor. Bless our food. Amen. What does that even mean? Well, what is it? How would you even know God answered your prayer? I mean, what is it you're looking for? Bless the world. I mean, when we ask in that, Lord, may everyone feel good today. Take your little blessing wand and sprinkle blessing dust over all of them. I mean, what are we asking? I pray that you'd bless Pastor Tim. What does that mean? I need you to be more specific than that. Lord, help Pastor Tim not to be such a jerk. That's a good prayer. I believe praying specifically is part of what it means to pray alert. But what if you don't know something specific to pray for? Let's say the Lord puts somebody here on your heart. On my heart to pray for. The Lord puts somebody in your heart, maybe a friend of yours, 
but you really don't know what to pray for. You don't have anything specifically. They just, this person comes to mind. I want to suggest three things to you when you don't know what to pray. Number one, when you go to prayer and you don't know what the specific thing is, admit it to the Lord. Lord, you've laid this person in my heart. I don't know what to pray for. Holy Spirit, I need you to show me what to pray for. You might actually have to wait and listen. But hey, this is tied right into Romans 8, 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Lord, how how do I pray for... I don't know. Come to God and say, Lord, you've laid this person on my heart. I don't know the struggles they're going through right now. They could be 500 miles away. Lord, you've put them on my mind. I want to pray for them alertly. I need you to help me to pray for them. Second suggestion. Somebody comes to your mind and you want to pray for them, but you don't know what to pray Call them up. Sorry. Text them. Notice I didn't even use email. You can email them. I don't care. Communicate. Hey, the Lord laid you on my heart. I want to pray for you. What's going on? How do you feel? when you know that someone is praying for you specifically by name. It makes a world of difference to me. Third suggestion to help you pray alertly. If someone comes to your mind and you want to pray for them, (coughs) but you don't know what to pray for, and you can't get a hold of them, or maybe for their own reasons, they're just too vague, do this. Pray a prayer from God's Word for them. Pray Scripture back to them. Something like, oh, I don't know, Ephesians 1, chapter uh, verse 15. Go ahead, turn to it. I'm going to keep on asking that the God of our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give Dan the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that Judy may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of Karen's heart would be enlightened in order that she might know the hope to which you've called her the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for you who believe. Lord, I pray for Samuel 
that he would know the incomparably great power that you that he has because it's the same power that worked, the same strength, the same might that you showed when you raised Christ from the dead. I pray that you would show that to him in his life. I pray that Daniel would know that he is seated with Christ in the heavenly realms and every power and principality is under his feet. Pray that kind of prayer when you don't know how to pray for someone. Amen? You can pray for me at least. When you pray, pray alert. When you start, keep it up. Perseverance. Perseverance. When Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, he said, I pray for you night and day with tears. I don't think he literally spent all day, all night, and another day, and another night, and another day, and another night on his knees. Perhaps that sometimes he did. I think he simply, throughout the day, continually prayed for them. As he went to work, as he walked down the street, as he went into a shop, he kept praying for them because God had placed a burden on them. One last thing I want you to grab onto about when we pray. Be it individually or as a church, in the small group. I hope you know and that in this church we believe in praying for physical healing. We believe Jesus Christ is our Savior, our Sanctifier, our Healer, and our Coming King. In the context of our study in Ephesians, let's remember to pray not only for physical healing, but also for victory in spiritual battles so that believers will be set free from the things they face. Let's pray for the advancement of the kingdom in people's lives. Let's pray for families to be healed, specifically. Let's pray that where in a co-worker of yours, a friend of yours, a family member, that there, there's hardness, there's anger, there's unforgiveness, that God would break through it. That there'd be brokenness. Pray that their hearts would be mended. Healing would take place. Pray that people would come to know Christ. Pray that spiritual renewal would come. Pray that people would be set free from what holds them in bondage. Pray always, all different kinds of ways, and with perseverance, pray. Pray for the physical and the spiritual, and that's what Paul asked for in verses 19 and 20. Chapter 6. But I'm going to take Paul's place. Pray for me. That whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. I'm not in physical chains, but I feel the weight and the burden of ministry. Pray that I may declare the truth of God's word fearlessly as I should. I'd like you to pray for me. 
And I'll pray for you. Application. Been talking a lot about praying for people this morning. Here's my question. Has the Lord, during this time together, laid anybody on your heart? Has the Lord laid anybody on your heart that you need to pray for? If so, write down their name. Because chances are great that by the time you hit the pavement, you will have forgotten. So write down their name. Write it down now. So you can pray for them later. To help you pray specifically, send them a text or call them today, this afternoon. Tell them, hey, God laid you on my heart. How can I pray for you? And then pray for them. Is there somebody here this morning that God's laid on your heart? Be kind of ridiculous, wouldn't wouldn't it, to leave and go, hey, saw you there, thought I'd pray for you. You just walk over. Okay, you're going to be dismissed in 30 seconds. Go over there. I want to pray for you. How can I pray for you? God's laid you on my heart. That is the body of Christ being Jesus with skin on. God, God's going to use you to intercede for someone. And watch what God does. Pray for them in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And keep this in mind. Be alert always. Keep on praying for all of God's people. Pray also for me. And thus concludes our study in the book of Ephesians. Just stand with me. <clears throat> Lord, I know that there are a lot of people who called over their church home and have the gift of intercession that pray all the time. Everything that they heard here today was nothing new to them. I thank you for them. I pray that you would use them to come alongside of other people and to to pass on what you've taught them. Lord, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that this would mark us as part of who we are as a church. People who pray all the time in lots of different ways, alert, aware, and we persevere in prayer, asking you to work in and through us to do the supernatural. May that be who we are, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.